There was a pastor who was in a real hurry. He was trying to make a pastoral visit. He had his clergy sign on his car. And he went around the block about 10 times to try to find a parking space and couldn't find it. And so finally he gave in and said, I am going to park in the no parking zone. You know how they always have the loading zone, don't park here. He parked right there. But he decided because he had a clergy sign, he'd be safe, and he wrote a little note to the police officer that came around. He said, please, officer, I was in a real hurry. I went around the block more than 10 times. I just want you to remember the words of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses. And he proceeded to go to his pastoral emergency. Well, when he came back, he was in shock. There was a huge citation right on the you know, front of the car there, and it had a note on the other side of his note. It said, Dear Reverend, I've been working on this block for over 10 years, and if I neglected to give you a ticket, I could lose my job. And then he signed it. Please remember this other phrase from the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Every time we run into this parable, the prodigal son, perhaps the most recognizable piece of Christian literature, right out of the Christian scriptures, right out of the New Testament, we run into something that most people recognize as the parable of forgiveness. The truth is, it's a lot more than that. Charles Dickens called it the greatest short story in the world. And many spiritual writers and authors have called it the gospel of the gospels. Very central to Christianity, and I would agree with that. But I've got to tell you, even though countless artists have been inspired, Rembrandt and others with the beautiful paintings of the prodigal son, preachers and teachers of practically all traditions have spoken about it, I believe the title is all wrong. As a student of philosophy, I have to tell you, words are important to me. Very important. And if you go to Webster's and you look for the word prodigal, you're going to find something very interesting. The first two definitions of prodigal seem to be negative. Reckless, wasteful, But if you go to the third definition of prodigal, you're going to find something very interesting. It's very, very positive. It's the positive definition of prodigal. It's the one we overlook. It refers to abundance, bountiful. It says luxuriant. If Jesus chose to tell this story, if Jesus chose to share this parable with us, and Jesus is the revelation of the Father, we believe that Jesus shows us the face of God, the God among us, the God with us. I would say that it's safe to say that the whole reason for this parable is to show us the greatness, the goodness of God. As a matter of fact, I was thrilled when I saw the hymn, which I did not know we were using, The gradual hymn today is there's a wideness in God's mercy. And it says wider 
than the wideness of the sea. A big God. I believe today's parable speaks to us about the nature of God. That God is abundant. That God is bountiful. That God is luxuriant. I don't believe this parable is so that you and I would think about a reckless teenager or young adult who took off in the BMW, messed it all up, drank too much, wasted all the money and the inheritance. I think that God wants to reveal himself to us. And to help us answer that essential question we all have, who is God? Who is God? How do I get to know God for myself? How do I get to experience God? So I would change the title of this parable. And I'm not the first one to say this, by the way. Countless spiritual authors have said it. I was happy to find that. But it said, you know, it should be changed to the prodigal father for a variety of reasons. Because God is abundant. God is bountiful. God is luxuriant in his mercy. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Hemingway's The Capital of the World, but it begins with an interesting story about another father. A father who was heartbroken because his son left their simple, humble village in Spain, enamored by the glamour of Madrid. He had to go to the big city, to the capital. And so eventually, months and months praying and thinking about his son, the father decided to follow him. He couldn't take the distance. He couldn't take the estrangement. And so he put an ad in the paper. And the ad read something like this, Paco. And by the way, Paco is a very common name in, in Spain. They call all the Franciscos Paco, Paco. Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday. And it was signed, All is Forgiven, your father. That day, as the father got to the Hotel Montana, he could see all the commotion outside of the hotel. Lots of police officers. Lots of commotion. As he got closer and closer, he started asking people, what's going on here at the Hotel Montana? What is this? And one of the officers said, sir, a father has written his son Paco, and what you're seeing here is 800 Pacos looking for their dad. We're all looking for forgiveness. We're all looking to make amends. We're all looking to be better disciples. But for just a moment, I want to share with you what this parable doesn't say about the Father. I want to share with you my own spiritual insight as to how I try to make sense of this Father and why he did what he did. See, I imagine the Father going out every day looking into the horizon, looking into that same direction where his son went away. I imagine that father thinking he's going to come back. Oh, he's going to come back. He's going to come back in this direction. And I imagine the father crying and shedding tears, concerned for his wayward son. I imagine the father really longing for that day when the son would return. Now, the reaction of the father when the son comes back 
let's say the truth. It's not typical. It's not typical. I don't know how many of you were fans of I Love Lucy, but you may recall Ricky Ricardo in his heavy Cuban accent doing something that I believe only Cubans, maybe some Spaniards call it too, but they call it, uh, Father Luis, remember? La cantaleta, remember? The nagging. It's very common to hear among Cubans, la cantaleta, it's the nagging, you know. The father, you know, would have said to the kid, hey, you wrecked the car, you went away, you spent all our money, you were irresponsible, you didn't behave the way you were supposed to behave, you didn't follow the rules, didn't you see what you did? You made a mess of this, and now you want me to take you back. Well, you better be responsible. You better shape up, or you're going to what? Ship out, right? That's not what the father said. The father in this story didn't have time for the cantaleta, didn't have time for the nagging. The father in this story went in the opposite direction. The direction of total love. Very, very quickly, very quickly, he changed the focus from the sin, from the bad habits or the bad ways. He changed the focus to the embrace. Put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, let's celebrate. You're very fortunate here at St. John's to have young priests. And I was remembering my first few days as a priest. I was the, believe it or not, 21 years ago, I was the youngest priest in the state of Florida for a while. I held that record. And the funny thing about it is that I was maybe five days a priest, I'm not kidding, in my first parish, all enthusiastic, ready to change the world. And I had one of my morning services. And at that parish, they had a tradition of always putting the names of the deceased or those that were celebrating an anniversary of, of, of passing away on the altar there, like right close to the, where the chalice is in the book. And it was kind of under the book, really, but if you weren't a seasoned priest, you'd have no reason to look for it. But I remember the rector saying something to me in his heavy Irish brogue, oh, young man, just get that paper out of there and read those names. And I remember thinking, okay, i got to read those names. But I got to tell you, I was so much into the mechanics of doing the service right, because I was brand new, I forgot to read the names. Well, just as I was going back to the sacristy and getting ready for another beautiful day as a new young priest, a lady that was about 4'11", but had the longest finger I've ever seen in my life, put her finger on my nose and said, Father! You didn't mention my husband's name. And I can forgive, but I won't forget. I've never forgotten that. It's been 21 years. And I can still see her finger pointing at me. And the reason I share that with you is because as human beings, we have a tendency to struggle with forgiveness. We have a tendency to struggle with letting go of what hurts us or what bothers us. But we see this father in today's gospel, this God-like character, never mention the transgressions, never mentions what hurt him. 
all that father said was, come and let's celebrate. Wow. Does that speak of the wideness in God's mercy? There's a real-life anecdote of the great Gandhi. I don't know how many of you have been able to read the experiments with truth. It's Gandhi's autobiography, The Father of the Nation of India. He says, I was 15 when I stole a bit of gold out of my brother's armlet to clear a debt of about 25 rupees, which, by the way, at that time, $3, three U.S. dollars. He had on his arm an armlet of solid gold. It was not difficult to clip a bit out of it, and I did. It was done. The debt was cleared. But this became more than I could bear, says Gandhi. I resolved to never steal again. I also made up my mind to confess it to my father. And I wrote it on a slip of paper and handed it to him myself. I wanted to submit my written confession to my father. In this note, not only did I confess my guilt, but also requested an adequate punishment for it and closed with a request to him not to punish himself for my offense. I also pledged myself never to steal in the future. I was trembling as I handed the note to my father. He was then confined to bed. I handed him the note and sat on his bed. He sat up and he read it. He read it through and pearl drops trickled down his cheeks, wetting the paper. For a moment, he closed his eyes and thought, and then he tore up the note. Tore it up. He again laid down. He also cried. I could see my father's agony. Those pearl drops of love cleansed my heart, and they washed my sin away. Only he who has experienced such love can know what it is. This sort of sublime forgiveness was not natural to my father. I had thought that he would be angry, say hard things, strike his forehead. But he was so wonderfully peaceful, and I believe this was due to my clean confession. A clean confession combined with a promise never to commit that sin again. I know that my confession made my father feel absolutely safe about me and increased his affection for me beyond measure. The great Gandhi. You know, this parable of the prodigal father reminds us of who God is, the very nature of God. And God is a good God. 
God is a good God, a loving God, a forgiving God, one that loves beyond all measure. And that is why we must learn sooner than later to forgive ourselves. Ultimately, the great Saint Anselm said it back in the 11th century when he was trying to define God. He said, God, that than which nothing greater can be conceived. That than which nothing greater can be conceived. He cannot be confused for the God we are hearing about too often in our contemporary society, the God of judgment, the God of exclusions, too many exclusions, the God defined by our limited human take on almost every aspect of life. Have you noticed lately everyone's talking about religion, but no one seems to be talking about the love of God? There's a problem with that. For the love of God is at the very core of religion. The love of God is at the very core of religion. And God is bigger than all of that talk. He's bigger than all those human limitations. And that's the good news in this parable. The good news is that God wrote that ad for you and me. That God did not nag. And that God tore up that paper. Because God is bigger than all of that. May the God we preach, the God we experience in our own lives, and the God we share always be that big. For this is the good news revealed in Jesus. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.